You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You want to see pain? Look at these. Welcome to the Pain Pod. The podcast for all things pain management. Hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city like Mountain Man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Mark Pain Guy Garofoli, welcoming you back to the Pain Pod, where, as we say, come one, come all to the Pain Pod. So I'm coming at you, of course, from um, Morgantown, West Virginia, wild and wonderful West Virginia, uh, nestled in the Appalachian Mountains of America, of course. Now, today for our Pain Pod episode, we're going to go where no one's gone before. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get into some opioid madness. You guessed it. March Madness is upon us. So why don't we just make it opioid madness? We, together today, are going to figure out the greatest opioid of all time. Now, of course, this is the pain pod. We're going to be considering in the eyes of prescription therapy. Perhaps we could even do a street version, right? Street opioid madness. But we're doing opioid madness today. So we're actually going to have some brackets. Opioid bracketology. We're going to cut down the greatest opioid of all time. We'll have a final four. We'll have an elite eight. And we're going to start out with the old round of 16. Okay? Uh, So picture in your heads, those of you familiar with bracketology, we're having opioidology today. Uh, We're going to start out with 16 opioids. Let me run them down for you. The visual friends out there, we're on the left side of the bracket here. We'll call it west side. We're going to start out with morphine versus codeine. Dun, dun, dun. And then we're going to have butorphanol versus levorphanol. Then we're going to go down south to methadone versus oxymorphone. And then we're going to have hydromorphone versus buprenorphine. Then we'll skedaddle on over to the east side. Up north, we're going to have fentanyl versus oxycodone. Dun, dun, dun. Again, thinking prescription, not necessarily street. Speaking of which, we're going to then have sufentanyl versus hydrocodone. And then we'll jump on down south again to oliseridine versus meperidine. The eens have it. And finally, we'll have tramadol versus tapentadol. We'll finally figure it out with those two cousins. And that, folks, is our round of 16. We're going to go head-to-head for each of these bracket busters just so that we could finally figure out the greatest opioid of all time. But first, 
you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about those bubble busters. The first four, well, if I had to pick the first four here, okay, which ones, which ones didn't I mention? I mean, I just rattled off 16 opioids that we all encounter in patient care uh, or even being given care um, day in and day out. But here's the four bubble busters, all right? First one right off the top, dihydrocodone. Who here has seen it? Not utilized all that often. For why, you ask? Huh? Well, um, many attributes to this, this uh, particular prescription opioid, but one thing that resonates with me is the MME factor. Morphine milligram equivalent factor. Dun, dun, dun. 2016 all over again, right, CDC? Well, although those MME factors in the 2016 CDC opioid guidelines have some debatable clauses in them, probably about a half a dozen, let's be real. We've all got to be down with them. Okay, because um, they're utilized everywhere. So we've got to know them inside and out. One of the things, the biggest things to know with those enemy factors is, well, um, it's all about the dosage, baby. Paracelsus, you know, just paraphrasing that guy, one of the grandfathers of pharmacy. Uh, he always talked about how it's the dose that matters. Well, I paraphrase to, it's all about the dosage, baby. Um, so, MME factor for dihydrocodine, 0.25. Good golly, is it like drinking water? Not so much, folks. Uh, one of the uh, capsules is available. It's 120 milligrams. You multiply that out by a quarter, and you, get out, you would get an equivalent, relatively, of morphine of 30 milligrams. Hmm. That escalated quickly. Thanks, Ron Burgundy. Boy, that escalated quickly. Um, so, big point there. You got to keep that in mind. But it's a bubble buster. Another one, pentazosin. Whew, wicked history there, right? To naloxone or not to naloxone for adding in for the products there. Well, that one, you know, it's, it's got multiple opioid actions. It's uh, it's kappa agonist, it's mu antagonist. Throw in some sigma agonism there while you're at it. MME factor, pff, drinking water, maybe Gatorade, right? 0 0.37. Well, in the 50 milligram tablet, that would be in a morphine equivalent of 18.5. Good golly, we got three Vikes there, eh? Yes, yes we do. But still a bubble buster. And then, whoo, check this one out. Can't believe this stayed in the bubble. You know, it's just our society. It's not readily available. Which one could I possibly be talking about? An opioid that's not available easily. You got it right. LDN, folks. Low-dose naltrexone. LDN. So, yes, naltrexone, what's commonly utilized for uh, various forms of addiction. It could actually reverse an opioid overdose. It can save a life. But it's also in extremely low doses. It could help with pain. Well, that's paradoxically insane. Gosh. But, lo and behold, there's no commercial product available. So, here, shout out to everybody. Hit me up, whether it's on LinkedIn or whether it's on our site or whatever. If you're a compounding pharmacist out there and you can have this stuff, if you're down with LDN, let me know. Because I literally get questions across our country asking, where can I get this stuff? And I only got so many answers. So, let me know. Give us a shout out. All right, that was only three, right? Let's hit up the fourth. Fourth one, coming at you hard here. Diacetylmorphine. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And only a bubble buster. That's heroin, folks. Across the pond in the United Kingdom, greatest package insert I've ever seen in my life. Two pages, normal fonts, not negative 15. And it's a prescription product. You know, just like over here, how we have cocaine and methamphetamine readily available as prescription products, right? 
check them out they are anyways uh those four that's our bubble busters all right let's get back into the weeds here though let's get back to opioid madness let's see so let's get kick these brackets off here since it is march madness season so first battle it's morphine versus codeine who you got who you got vegas has literally no options on opioid madness a lot more for march madness though morphine What's he bringing to the table? Well, he's natural. He's actually in the poppy. He must be phenomenal if he's natural, just like cocaine, right? Um, just like know, cannabis. Um, and the list goes on, folks. Anyways, it's a natural. It's one of the morphine, thebane, and codeine um, actually in the opium poppy. But <laughs> codeine's up against morphine. He's natural, too. Oh, well, that cancels. Uh, morphine, that's uh, working mu and kappa agonism. Of course, we're concentrating on the mu. It's all about the mu. Uh, it does have extensive first-pass metabolism. But you know what really makes it shine? It's, it's the gold standard of MMEs. For crying out loud, its name is in the MME. It's morphine milligram equivalents. So he's got that going for him. What's codeine going to bring to the table? Well, you know one of the tricky things with codeine? Uh, ironically, emesis occurs more frequently with lower doses, and typically we have lower doses available. So that, well, quite frankly, as a patient, that would suck. Um, controlled substance classes when it comes to codeine. Oh, goodness, we get some confusion there. Um, very objective. It's it's all about the, the dose and the combinations with others, but it's in various controlled substance classes. And you know what? That just doesn't make my interprofessional healthcare folks happy because that's confusing. So you know what we're going to do here? We're going to say morphine. Ding, ding. You win, buddy. If you're in an MME, you win. Morphine won the first bracket, opioid bracketology. Onward. So what do we have up next? We have butorphanol versus levorphanol. Whew, these two are majestic and barely ever used, eh? They're both fully synthetic, all right? They're going head-to-head, -head and they're both fully synthetic. They've both got multiple opioid actions here. Mu, um, butorphanol, you're looking at partial agonist and an antagonist. Good golly, he's confused. Get it together, bud. Uh, whereas levorphanol is a mu, delta, and cabot agonist. Oh, by the way, and it's typically all the above for all the student pharmacists out there. How's the levorphanol work? Yes. Wait, is that methadone? No, we're talking about levorphanol. Stick to the program here, folks. It's also an NMDA antagonist. It's an SNRI, and it's an anticholinergic. <laughs> Good golly, it does everything, right? Uh, what's some bad... Uh, levorphanol, you know, when I'm thinking half-life, it's going to be pretty variable. It's actually up there and variable, depending on IV or PO, but... Um, being that it has that kappa agonism, you got to watch out for hallucinations and delirium. That'll get you, right? What's butorphanol got going on? Just to bring something to the table. Well, there's a supposed ceiling effect. So again, not buprenorphine. We're talking butorphanol here. MME factor is seven. That's up there. Its products, though, relatively limited. Really got the, the state all nasal spray. Uh, it, you know, one spray of that stuff is basically equal to seven MMEs, relatively according to the illustrious guidelines. So rather limited. Ding, ding. Love orphanol wins. Now, since I alluded to methadone, let's bring him to the table. Methadone versus oxymorphone. All right, what do we got here? Um, overall, methadone, uh, again, how does it work? Yes. It's, you got NMDA, you got SNRI, you got mu. Uh, even better yet, how is it metabolized? Absolutely. <laughs> you name it, it pretty much is involved, right? Uh, Half-life, uh, maybe. 
<laughs> reported eight to 150 hours. Well, which one? It's either like a week or like a, a work day. Um, well, it depends on the dose response curve, whatever the response is, correct? Um, on that note, analgesia with methadone probably going to only last four to six hours. So you got to watch out. You get scripts coming in for, for methadone um, for pain, and it's only written once a day. I'm waving my finger, folks. No, no, no. Um, one of the things you got to keep in mind is incremental respiratory depression with methadone. You know, the, the analgesic effect will go up and down if you're thinking the XYZ axis for dose response. Uh, but the respiratory uh, risk continues to go up. So that's why it's the one of the poster children for stop low, go slow. And um, you know how I say methadone, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. Thank you, Charles Dickens. It's tricky. But who is he up against? He's up against oxymorphone and the opioid madness. That's a semi-synthetic opioid. That's actually the metabolite of oxycodone. So our illustrious bodies make oxymorphone out of oxycodone. Uh, MME at three. And uh, there's a wicked awesome Opana story. Um, you, you could check that out anywhere. But that's it, folks. So you guessed it. Methadone wins. Best of times, worst of times, won the bracket. Next up, we got ooh, here's some heavy hitters. We got hydromorphone against that good old buprenorphine. Bup. All right, who are you putting your money on? I already, I already, I got my bets down on bup. Let's see how it goes here. Let's talk it through. Hydromorphone, what you bringing? Uh, well, it's the metabolite of hydrocodone. Yeah, good for you. Uh, it's a mu and cap agonist. You gotta watch for that cap of delirium, right? And um, well, you you've got to kind of watch if people have any uh, renal issues too. And, you know, it's vitamin D on the streets. That'll bring the rush, right? Oof, that's not a positive, though, right? Because we're sticking to healthcare here, folks. Whereas, buprenorphine, what you bring in, bup? Well, it's a partial agonist, which is the most misunderstood concept of pharmacology in the history of mankind. It doesn't mean less effect. If anything, it might mean more in this particular instance. It just uh, talks about how the magnet fits into the key in the hole, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe we'll talk about that again someday. Uh, but uh, 3A4 metabolism, you got to watch with that. You know, you grapefruit lovers, snowbirds, whatnot. Half-Life, through the roof, uh, reported as 37 hours, day and a half. Wait a minute, so we're dosing it twice a day? Oh, don't even get me going. Uh, MME factor, oh, don't even get me going there. Um, I remember reporting that to the CDC a couple months after um, they released the guidelines in 2016. So this just doesn't work. It's got to be 30, if not 80, not 10. Um, so they actually changed it to 30. Um but now it's nowhere to be found because we don't want to create any stigma. But we need to help our patients. You got the illustrious X waiver. To be or not to be these days, right, folks? A big picture, though, thinking milligram versus microgram. You know what? Micrograms for pain, milligram is for addiction, which people with addiction might have pain as well, too. Accidents happen, folks. All that being said, clearly, clearly, buprenorphine wins. So, west side, done. We've got morphine against levorphanol. That's going to be the, the first part of the Elite Eight. And then we got methadone against buprenorphine. That's epic! Opioid epic! Let's go on the east side first, though. All right. If you remember back, probably impossible. First off, we got fentanyl versus oxycodone. Are we talking street here? Technically not, but you got to keep it in mind, right? We're clinicians. We got to keep everything in mind. Fentanyl, fully synthetic. Good for you, bud. It's a mu agonist. No kidding. Uh, transdermal patches. Whoo! Ooh, doggy. Um, that's debatable sometimes. I'm like, oh, well, what if you put them on for 48 hours instead of 72? Do you get different doses? Well, if you put salt in a jug and then you add more water and this and that, you know how all that osmosis works. And that's not how it is. 
But we got to keep those things in mind. You know what really matters? You ever work at a beach? Best be telling people not to put that patch on a sunburn area of the skin after it's been there every day without sunburn. It's called vasodilation, folks. Dun, dun, dun. Um, got to be careful with that. So, and by the way, fentanyl involved in the vast majority, it and its analogs, of opioid overdose deaths on the illicit side these days. But it has utilization, obviously. Oxycodone, I immediately think of oxycrisping, don't you? Yes, uh, that's, uh, you know, in 2010, oxy, oxycontin, was reformulated by the illustrious Purdue Pharma. Uh, the pills used to say OC, now they say OP. Uh, that reformulation, they're still abused via oxycrisping. So there's that. Um, as far as metabolism, you got to keep things in mind again, things like 3A4 and whatnot. You know, Oxy's just got, it, it's got some stigma, folks. It's got utility. It's got stigma. Fentanyl wins. Done. Time of death. Onward to Sufentanil and Hydrocodone. All right. Sufentanil. Wait, what? Where is he pulling that one from? My gosh, how's that not a bubble buster? Well, a relatively newer product that's available in, in a, it's not abuse deterrent, not approved as an abuse deterrent, but it's in a little device that's utilized typically in uh, acute care settings. Um, and, and, you know, good scenario in that regard. Uh, the, the dosage is just one tablet. Um, it, it typically is a scenario where somebody gets the tablet, they have their pain relief for a, a relatively shorter amount of time. You're looking at maybe a couple hours, like an ER visit per se. Um, and you would think, oh, sufentanil, that could kill a herd of elephants, right? Well, yeah, at a particular dose. But what's the dose of what we're putting in people's mouth in ER rooms? Well, one of those tablets is five MMEs. What's the street value compared to uh, an oxy or a hydro? Yeah, big difference there. Uh, so, things to keep in mind there with the, the sufentanil. Up against hydrocodone. Tried and true, been around forever. It's MME is one, just like morphine. How come they don't call it MHE? Well, they just don't. That's how it goes, because morphine won last time. You know what? Because morphine won and it is MME, hydrocodone, you're getting the boot, buddy. Um, you're out of here. Sufentanil wins. All right, we got two more left. First up, we got another novel opioid, olisiridine. We're going to put it up against... Meparidine, good old Demerol. Let's up hit up Demerol first. You know, uh, Meparidine, that's something that it, it actually affects uh, the, supposedly how medical residents, how long they could work in a day. Because it was a case, it was a Libby Zion uh, law that's out there that says that, you know, at some point we need to sleep so that we can provide good patient care. That came up about because of Meparidine. Go figure. Uh, but anyways, Olaserine, what the heck is that? Well, it's actually a selective opioid. So, when you think about the mu receptor, it doesn't end there. It's got its intricate parts. Mu receptor is like saying, oh, it's a human. Well, it turns out there's a kidney, a liver, a brain, and whatever else, right? Um, well, olaserdine is actually selective to the um, G protein. Getting all fancy here, I know. It avoids beta arrestin. What do you need to know about beta arrestin? That's what leads to the bad stuff. So, there would be reportedly less respiratory depression. Not avoiding it altogether, but less respiratory depression and nausea and vomiting. Um, by golly, it, it, one milligram in an IV is equal to a, a morphine of an IV of five milligrams. So just things to keep in mind uh, as well. Uh, very uh, uh, fluent with being able to not have necessarily have dosage adjustments and all that. I already talked ourselves into it here. It wins. Adios, my parodine. I need some sleep. Olaserdine wins. Onward it goes.
One more, one more, folks, and boy, we're we're going out with a bang here today. We're gonna have the cousins. This is a bat. This is a family battle. Tramadol versus Tepentadol. They're both they're both just there together. You know, Tramadol is a C4. Tepentadol is a C2. What the deuce? Well, it all depends on when they came out. Tramadol came out in the 90s. It's a C4. Dependadol, relatively similar, comes out later, C2. Try and have an opioid come to market today without it being a C2. Seriously, try. Or don't waste your time. Um, they're both mixed-action opioids, which makes things really good for, um, especially even chronic, if not acute, but chronic therapy, to have the BOGO, the one-two punch. Tramadol, it's a 2D6 pro drug. Gotta watch with that. Everybody's all about uh, pharmacogenetics these days, rightfully so, and it's very important. Tramadol, it's like a poster child for talking about PGX, all right? I know there's another uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network uh, PGX uh, show. You gotta listen in, folks. You guarantee they're gonna be talking about uh, Tramadol with 2D6. Um, don't have to worry about that with Tepentadol. Ooh, who's winning the race so far, eh? Well, um, Keeping in mind also things that you got to monitor for, tramadol, you got to watch for serotonin syndrome. Oh my goodness, serotonin syndrome. I love the docs that I work with. They're always like, what is with your people always bringing up serotonin syndrome? I've seen it once in my 50-year career. Well, yeah, we still got to keep it in mind. Somebody feels like they have the flu on a Friday, don't wait till Monday to seek help. That's how we describe serotonin syndrome. Good golly. Anyways, it's a concern for tramadol. It's not for tepentadol. I think we already have a winner. Um, Tramadol's MME is 0.1. Is that drinking water too? No. A 100 milligram tablet times that is 10. That's uh, two, two hydros, right? Uh, Tepentadol is 0.4. Maybe that's why it became the C2 and not the C4. I don't know. Things to consider. Bottom line is, it's working out better for Tepentadol. Boom. Biscuit. It wins. All right, folks. So we're left with now our Elite 8 of opioid madness. So we're going to have morphine against levorfenone. We're going to have, whoa, here's a big one, methadone versus buprenorphine. Whoa. And then we're going to have fentanyl versus sufentanyl. All the same families here. And then we have olaceridine versus tepentadol. Four heavy hitter matchers. Coming at you on the next episode of The Pain Pod. Come one, come all. We are going to figure out the greatest opioid of all time. And I'd be remiss to mention, I've the whole time called this opioid madness. Kind of like fake muse. Get it? <laughs> fake muse. The actual opioid madness is the sensationalization of the opioid crisis that we live in. And it's actually an opioid pandemic. It's not just us Americans. It's everywhere. On top of that, the headlines that say 75% of heroin utilizers started with prescription opioids, that's not fake muse nor fake news. It's real, but where did they get them? That's what really matters. And a high percentage of the time, they don't come from healthcare. But we as healthcare professionals do have to remember that it's our indirect responsibility to talk about storage and disposable of all medicines. You know, my kid gets his hands on 30 lisinopril, we're going to the same ER if it's 30 oxy, eh? I'm sure you would agree. Um, so the madness that's out there, the sensationalization of the opioid crisis compared to the exponential amount of alcohol related deaths. And let's not even talk about tobacco related deaths. Oh my goodness. Uh, but it's sensationalized. That's the real opioid madness. But you know what? Let's have some more fun. And on the next episode of the pain pod, we're going to continue the opioid madness and we're going to get the greatest opioid of all time. Will it be morphine, levorphanol, methadone, buprenorphine, fentanyl, sufentanyl, willisiridine, tepentadol? See you next time, folks. I can't wait. 
I can't wait to see who wins. Opioid Madness. If you'd like to join Mark on the pain pod, send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. And make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.